I am the media masochist. And here I am, once again, taking one on the chin for the team. I'm going to tell you this. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And now, introducing your host, me, the guy who eats shit and tells you what it tastes like. Hello and welcome to the Media Masochist. As you heard in the intro, I'm Chris Honeywell. I retired this show seven years ago because I was sick of yelling at media and everybody was yelling at media and I wanted to focus on the positive. But every once in a while, there's a confluence of events or a single event in this case that is just basically the lowest hanging fruit ever for the Media Masochist. I feel this is something that has been building for years and years with me and uh well i could explain a lot of it but i'm not going to doodle diddle around with it because this is a four-hour movie we got plenty of time to talk about it during the movie and uh basically i've split this up into the six chapters of the movie uh, someone told me there are seven chapters if there's a seven chapter then the seven chapters of the movie so this is chapter two so have your have your media ready at the beginning of the chapter. Put it set it right at the very beginning of the chapter. I'll give you a three second countdown, and when I say go, you press play on your little play machine thing, and we will be ready to go. Okay, is everybody ready? Ready for part two, chapter two of Justice League, which I have the feeling is going to be Wonder. Is they sort of were setting it up for Wonder Woman, so uh, there's a one way to find out. And that's to play the movie, and I will count down. Here we go. Oh my God, how exciting! Three, two, one, go. Okay, if you don't remember, last time was part one. Now this is part two. The Age of Heroes. Oh, I think we're in the dream sequence. Yeah, it's gotta be. There's a paradiddles floating around and a framlam just landed. Alright, what's going on? Maybe this isn't the dream. Oh! Okay, it's some nuke thing. Okay, he's getting some nuke power. Alright. Don't know how that works, but okay. Alright, so we're calling this section art on our show. This obviously it's the Age of Heroes on uh, this one. Okay, whatever, Thanos. Oh. See, Bruce Wayne's down to earth. He's a human shaving. 
these scenes are so stiff. All right, so uh, one of the things that fascinates me with Zack Snydery movies is are they art? Of course they're art. I, I define almost anything that anybody makes as it's art. It is successful art, unsuccessful art, whatever. That's a subjective measure. This, But it is definitely the work of an auteur-type artist with a vision. Just a weird, weird artist. But... I almost try to put him mentally and compartmentalize him in my brain along with, you know, the old great classic comic artists and writers who I think everybody who's ever read anything about them or read, seen interviews with them or met any of them know that a good chunk of them were just out of their fucking minds. <laughs> And had some weird ideas and were not very well socialized. And I think Zack Snyder sort of fits in that perfect. And he has a vision. And boy, oh boy, does it not gel with my vision. But it is consistent. Like, one thing in, like, movies, they tell you the, like, show, don't tell. And I give superhero movies, and especially a superhero movie like this with, like, seven superheroes flying around, a little more leeway. Because part of the tropes of comics is there is a lot of there, there's sometimes there's just some exposition to set the premises because the premises are just fucking ridiculous. So you can't just you don't have a visual shorthand to explain, you know, oh, that's that's what happens when you get a radioactive spider bite. You have to you have to sort of verbally spell it out while showing it and exp exposition it you know there's there's some things that have become from all that exposition something you could shorthand because you've seen enough like portals from one place to another that you sort of know what's going on you know but Zack Snyder does surprisingly a lot of showing and not telling but he does it in a weird ass way that's very counterintuitive and I think <laughs> doesn't work to his advantage but it's sort of just become his thing where let's take for example a great example of show over tell is like Mad Max Fury Road where you know the action is a visual metaphor for what's going on and you know, the the action, the things that the people are doing inform you of the dynamics of the situation and stuff. Whereas here, he shows you stuff in a very similar way as, as a comic book, but it's, it's showing you something literal. Since comics do have to show you, like, symbolic stuff, like sounds and stuff, he doesn't have to do that. He's got sound and movement. He doesn't have to do anything symbolic to show any of that stuff so that leaves you with all sorts of other visual things that are symbolic that you can do to show the the inner turmoil of the character and stuff and you know he will do something like that if it's like <sighs> raging fire behind them when they're angry or something like that or, or something like but it's 
not there's not really much visually symbolic going on in these it's very very literal they're very very literal minded and that's why I'm like one of the rare people who uh, I just never was a big fan of Watchmen the only really real of his movies that I really like is is Dawn of the Dead I really like that movie and I liked Watchmen but at the same time I liked it because it was so slavishly rendered from the source material that it, that the it had a lot of the good stuff in it a lot of the good stuff got subverted because I don't think Zack Snyder was catching a lot of things that the book that the comic was saying which was hilarious because you know it's supposed to be a dream project of of some sort Now here, this is this is sort of symbolic. The, the torch flying through the carrying the torch, passing the torch. But it's set up, and it's very much like a scene from a video game or a commercial. He he, I don't know if. He started out doing commercials and stuff, but he films things as if. It's the images. Okay, I guess I can articulate that better. His images are not as connected with the whole as they are with the moment. So anything symbolic happening is almost like instantaneously. It doesn't. It, it it informs that moment. Oh Jesus! Now I'm getting all artsy fartsy in the middle of the Zack Snyder movie. Ironically, with uh, uh, Wonder Woman brushing off a statue, sensuously brushing off a statue in her in her excellent work clothes. <laughs> uh uh See, now this is where I was hoping this four-hour... Now we're only, you know, we're less than an hour into it. But I was hoping this would be a completely different movie. It seemed, watching the the, the original version, or, you know, the theatrical version, that it was cobbled together from something completely different. And from the trailers, I... I between, the trailers so far have been more fun for me. The trailers were hilarious. They were so pompous and self-important. Um, what's your serial number, doctor? But it's it's not turning out to be that as much as it is sort of feeling like all the there's a lot of just scenes that were cut that are added in that uh that you know as cut scenes are they're often they have something new in them but they're often redundant like you know the restating of of uh wonder woman getting the message and this whole sequence 
could have been shorthanded in, you know, one minute. Mostly using that that shot there where he whaps the paper against there. They could have had two or three shots of them walking and talking. But everything is just... I got to say, though, we haven't seen... Uh, let's see how far are we into about 10 minutes into it. Uh, oh, maybe. And uh haven't seen any slow motion yet. And back to the name of this episode which is art I almost consider Zack Snyder as some I want to call him an outsider artist but he's obviously does not fit the definition of an outsider artist he is definitely on the inside and maybe but it reminds me of the outsider artist, which is funny because the the music at the beginning of this the the this episode that we use for the title music is uh, Wesley Willis, who is was an arts outsider artist. He was a street person with schizophrenia, who used to play with a Casio keyboard and make up his songs that were a riot, but they were bizarre and they were crude. And they were just basically his own thing. There's no mistaking a Wesley Willis song. And I almost feel like Zack Snyder is kind of like that. Kind of like Tommy Wiseau, who did The Room. Somebody who just sort of doesn't completely understand the thing that he wants to do really badly... And then, but just confidently does it. But at the same time, there's a lot of fan art in here. And not just like fan service, although, you know, he is fan service visually. He provides the, the goods of like, here's something that you saw in a comic book or something similar to something that you saw in a comic book that you thought this would look really cool in a movie. And, uh, now we're in uh, Indiana Jones I like that I like it's stupid but I'm, I'm, I'm the more symbolic and just kind of ridiculous visually this is like her nice outfit in the in, in as her for work clothes is is wonderful it's it's goofy like comic books but um there are parts like the the part back there with cyborg where he's talking that remind me so much of fan films and not in the way of it's inept but it is clunky but it's more clunky in the service of hitting the line that you you would you know that just you would think would be there and having the character tilt their head perfectly you know so you can see their red glowing eye and say 
but it's not like that doctor it's like this and uh and you can feel those fan films hit that beat because it's those tropes when you when you're doing those tropes for the first time on the it feels good and it's something you can do with confidence and it's and it reminds me of like kids when they would act out their favorite scenes in a movie and you know sort of really you know exaggerated up light dramatic music plays I kind of like the look of that sinking ship Now we're going to give some respect the storm. Slobo. This is a movie, not the trailer. But that's what it's all about. It's all about hitting these beats. It's about the. Fam it's like the f about the familiar with. I I think with what you're hearing this this stumbling, bumbling of me talking. Is me um, in the throes of everything at the core of what it is with me and Zack Snyder and what makes me and it's I usually don't have I don't have a problem say wrapping my mind around the fact that people love this stuff they love these movies and I totally understand that because I am just steeped in stuff that I love that that other people don't understand and don't like or understand and don't like or any combination of the two and uh, that's fine that's the subjective nature of art but the thinking about it is just like so fascinating to me to try it it turns into like cultural anthropology psychology um and uh, every aspect of art and just trying to figure out what it is and i've heard you know a, a, a thousand different ways from a so many different people you know i've heard them articulate why they love these movies but it's never <laughs> I, I haven't seen that thing yet that makes me go like oh of course now I wish there was just somebody who was it, it was uh, I had a, a girlfriend once who was a fan of the band Tool 
and she was reading an interview with somebody that was talking about Tool that was just like a teenager, you know, the on the street interview. And they said, uh, you know, what is what is it about this, you know, violent, depressing, <coughs> atonal, jarring music that that you like? And uh, they said it makes me feel good. <laughs> and you know, that's enough. That's enough. But I've never heard anybody just say it makes me feel good, although. They may feel they may think that and maybe think that that's not enough of a reason to say why you like something, but it is, you know, or I don't know. I like it, you know, but, you know, there was um, I, somebody posted an article today of somebody comparing this to the work of Stanley Kubrick and, you know, not to be snobby, but it's just not it's apples and oranges. This is not try even trying to be Stanley Kubrick in any way, shape or form. And I think if you're going to be like Stanley Kubrick, you have to be sort of trying in some way or another. And I think it's good that there is that. Right? If, I, I think maybe Zack Snyder might think he's in a league with Stanley Kubrick. And that's fine, too, because who can you can you know, whatever. It's a subjective determination. Uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, I I'm just constantly changing my theory about what it is. Is it the, is it the is it the familiar familiarity of the beats? Is it knowing that like, there's going to be a, a slow shot that re, that reminds you of something that hits that mark, perfectly, you know that that it's not going to pull back from showing an action sequence like a lot of movies it sort of embraces the the sheer just spectacle of it but at the same time it doesn't do that at all in the way that say like the transformers does which Oh wait, Thanos has a bigger Thanos? Okay. This guy looks like uh What was his name? Armis from Star Trek the Next Generation and Doctor Doom mixed together. He he's like Doctor Doom got got caught in a Bugs Bunny explosion or something. Ate a few too many ghost peppers. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing about this, and we'll get more to this in chapter. What is it? Chapter five, which I call competition. But. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take yourself away. Go on a magic carpet ride there, Steppenwolf. He remind this this guy, Steppenwolf's boss here reminds me of uh 
Is this is this dark side? See, th this is I know people fucking hate me right now because I'm spo I, I'm sorry guys, I'm sorry guys. I don't I don't read enough of these comics to get the full Lord of of the lore, and the movies have not prepped me enough to make me and know exactly for sure if that's dark side although I'm pretty sure it is <sighs> that looks like a Battlestar Galactica ship in, in some ways this reminds me of that Bruce Springsteen video the hey little girls your daddy home is gonna leave you all alone Oh, he's dead. Yeah, see, this is what I'm talking about. These lines you can almost just like um, predict what's going to be next almost and when it comes it's just like oh yeah to, to evade to conquer written, just written in a simple form oh geez now we have the 300 crossover that is visually jarring it literally feels like <laughs> We just went back into 300. Okay, here comes, here comes show and tell. At least, at least they're giving. But yeah. I guess there could have almost been a way. It would have been really difficult to have all this vocal, but vocal exposition somehow transferred into this sequence. This now that shot reminds me of, um, oh, the last uh, the last Alien movie, the sequel to uh, to Prometheus. Now there's the dark side that I visually remember from the one dark side comic, which was the X-Men versus um, X-Men and New Teen Titans team up with gorgeous Walt Simonson art. Why do all, you know, I mean, people are gonna, people are gonna like, obviously make the comparison to this in, in Marvel with this, but I don't really think that's fair because I think these, these sort of stories, like after Jack Kirby 
started doing this and you know, Stanley and stuff started writing those cosmic stories they've all sort of been very similar anything that deals with something that you know it's finding some some sort of power source and stuff as if it's very D&D &D, the whole concept is if somebody sat down and was like hmm uh, if you know if you had these beings that were gods demigods and stuff blah blah, blah well, they would still need power, but they would need power to on this scale and this scale and this scale, and no, oh, it could contain it in a battery. This is things like you know, it's all like based off our technology. So it's like they're tropes. So I don't dock this points for having basically Dark Side being Thanos because they sort of or they sort of were like that already anyway. Oh. I'm guessing, oh, uh, yeah, Green Lantern. Now that was kind of a cute little shot with the ring there. I kind of like that. That that's the first thing in this. How far are we in this movie? We're an hour and four minutes into this movie, and we we would be at the twenty minute mark of or half hour mark of like a normal movie, you know, story wise. Really, not a lot of story going on. We're just finally getting getting our origin story of dark side which is really sort of more just a battle sequence it, it, see how the 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 posedness of it it's it's like a commercial or a fan fil film it's hitting its mark and another thing it's hitting its mark this might be the connection between ads and fan films is they're usually short and they usually have one thing going so you have to hit all your marks really like iconically it's like <laughs> it's like the George Lucas um, um, doctored up 300 300 was good but I want him to have glowing arms with lightning coming out of them and I'm not can finally finally special edition it <laughs> but everything is illustrated as if you've only got four or five minutes to get out that was very Lord of the Rings if you've only got four or five minutes to to do your whole thing and uh, but we don't we have oh almost exactly four hours three hours left <laughs> But it's almost like it's about hitting those marks. It's about see seeing the things. And uh, I think maybe the popularity that stems from years and years and years and years 
of comic book movies not being able to have the budget or technology to hit an awful lot of marks of big awesome things to see in your superhero movie so they had to pick one or two of them like a big one and a couple little ones to, to have early on and then the big one in the last reel of the movie and that's all you got whereas now we have CGI and I gotta say I think one of the secrets of Zack Snyder is as much as they they talk about his like you know huge budget and stuff I think these are pretty like quickly done bits of CGI I don't think he's going for super realism so you don't have to really finish your CGI or uh, or make it completely realistic so it comes off looking more like a high-end video game scene and stuff and he just uses that as his aesthetic all right now back to uh, Batman versus Superman where we have a, a Camelot a uh, that came a lot Excalibur sort of looking scene but here's the thing we're still in the past <laughs> and and really here here's lies the problem in the DC universe and which I'm not gonna lay this completely on the director's hands because they're being done by Warner Brothers which is just a major studio and they're gonna diddle around with your project no matter what it is but you know we're learning about dark side in the last in the in the movie the 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 villain that we should have been building up towards like they did in x number of movies in marvel and i'm not going to be comparing the two till a later episode so i'll shut up about that but bringing in the the bad guy and explaining him oh part three we're done we're done that's it sorry about that i don't get to finish that thought yeah but bringing in dark side at the at the in the last movie is doesn't make you fear him that much we haven't had time to get be scared of the guy but that's that's that part three is upon us so i'll see you next time rest up rest up man We've still got three hours left to go on this beastie boy. Um, I'm Chris Honeywell. This is a media masochist signing off. Our national anthem.